Everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here in dining room studios with David Huntsberger, one of the co-hosts of the Professor Blastoff podcast and host of brand new sci-fi show Reactor and someone I met uh, doing Doug Loves Movies. Mm-hmm. Correct on all three accounts. And it was uh, nice to meet you. We didn't get a chance to talk a lot. We like got I know. whisked in the green room, did the show, and then everyone took off. I know. It's like they were trying to prevent us from doing this podcast <laughs> but thankfully no you right exactly they've been thwarted because here we are yeah we already persevered. doing what's a legendary podcast i feel <laughs> and uh take that doug yeah you tried but you did not succeed douglas but you wrote on doug no, you wrote the Benson Interruption TV yeah. show? Yeah. I wrote, it was I mean, in there. So many sounds <laughs> came out. It's, it's like, you know when you turn a faucet on after you've been away and it like sputters a bit? Yeah. That's what's happening with my brain. But your I've brain was sharp enough to come up with a perfect analogy. That's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. I guess you're right. I really do have it still. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't lost a step. No. I uh, started losing faith in my brain a little bit. I start, I changed my diet a little bit because of it. I, because so you were losing faith in your brain? Yeah. I what mean, happened? like, uh, a friend of mine was coming to visit who I know, it's not someone I hadn't seen in years. I'd spoken with him on the phone. I've seen his name in my phone within, you know, like in a week. And then someone's, who, who's coming to visit you? And I went, couldn't draw a face, couldn't oh. draw either name at all. And I just thought, well, that, that's bound to happen. Or maybe that comes with getting older. But things like that were, were happening here and there. It was really worrying me. So how'd you change your diet? Uh, I uh, I'm eating less bread, <laughs> like because uh, I I believe there's this thing called the nocebo effect. If you mm -hmm. think something is not you know in there, then you're gonna do better. So th in theory is kind of working, I guess. But maybe I'm just pushing myself a little bit more, trying to like, come on, brain, don't die on me just yet. But is there a relationship between bread and memory? <laughs> <laughs> this doctor told me that there's a a book that called Grain Brain that, de that talks about like there is could be a connection between um, higher levels of Alzheimer's and all this because we are not biologically evolved to eat as much wheat as we do. Right. Not that we can't eat wheat, but just if you were foraging out, you'd find nuts and berries and even meat, but the amount of wheat we eat is maybe not synced up with our bodies. So mm. I, I've eaten bread my entire life. I don't really feel that that's... I don't know that I subscribe to it, but I tried it and I have no results to report. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you do and you just can't remember them. So it's not yeah. working. Well, I found now I feel like what it must be like to someone who kind of has always had their intelligence kind of pitted against them throughout life. Oh, To where okay. like if I do think of an analogy like you did or someone's name, like way to go brain. <laughs> I'm like kind of proud of myself for basic uh, brain tasks now. It doesn't feel great. Right. And and you weren't someone who was like that before, right? You seem like a, a yeah. formerly bright guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I maybe used to stimulate my brain more. That That's probably the main reasons that I don't, I haven't been reading as much as I mm -hmm. normally do. And I, I just haven't challenged my brain. I get, I feel like I'm pretty busy. And then when I get downtime, I just, I do what I loathe in the majority of uh, non-thinking people, which is like, just put on, 
really terrible television or something like that. Right. Although I, I don't, I wouldn't say I watch like terrible TV, but you know, I'm not really reading or, or really challenging my brain. I recently gave up carbs, not for brain reasons though, just for diet reasons, but I haven't noticed any, any difference in my memory. How long has it been? Uh, about a month. That's where I'm at too. So I think But maybe, do you miss the carbs? I, I, there was a point, like I love bread. And mm-hmm. so when I eat it, I'll do, I'll sometimes now like on Sundays, I'll have like, you know, pasta or I'll eat a sandwich, oh, bread, a more bread day. stuff. I'll have, yeah, have like a, <laughs> so I'm really not even in any way participating in this, <laughs> this thing of mine. But I feel like I am. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, I haven't, I would never, I don't know that I have or do not have the willpower, but it just seems weird for me to like cut something out entirely. Right. Um, so I, there's nothing I really miss. But the day to day, like I would have a sandwich pretty much six or seven days a week. I don't feel like I miss that. Do you? Surprisingly, no. And I'm someone who have, I've always loved carbs. In fact, I said that I would like to be buried in a bread bowl with like an ample amount of butter. Uh-huh. Bread and butter is not a thing that I, it's like one of those things where that's never been, I've, it's never been something I've allowed myself, but if I'm in a restaurant and there's bread and butter, like I will eat a lot of it and mm. I will enjoy all of it. And it, it's always not enough. <laughs> <laughs> so weirdly, now that I've just cut out all of that, I find that I don't miss it. Mm-hmm. It's really strange. I thought I would. I mean, I think conceptually I do, but it's not like I'm craving it. Yeah. And it's almost easier because I know that if I were to have three chips, I would then want to have... It's Now that I'm just cold turkey not having any, then I don't yeah. have to deal with that thing of like, I just ate a little bit of this, but now I want more of it. Oh, that's, that's a good way to look at it. It's. Do you find that... Um like people have these conversations quite a bit in LA and then yes, you do. And, and now we are having, I know, I, mean, I know. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, well, <laughs> no, you go. <laughs> no, please do. All right. I was recently asked to be on a podcast about cocktails mm-hmm. and I, I had to issue a disclaimer in my email. And then I'm like, I'm so sorry to be this person. I can't stand how LA this sounds. However, I don't drink anymore. And also, I recently gave up carbs. I hate myself. So <laughs> if there's any way for me to do your podcast without imbibing alcohol or drinking juice or anything, I'm into it. But I completely understand <laughs> if this would not work. So yeah, that I felt I felt uncomfortable having to say all of that. And but, restaurants, I feel like a jerk. And I'm always yeah. very like mealy mouth. about like, I'm sorry, but different. And do you know what's in that? I mean, I don't use that voice because that's even worse. <laughs> but... There's something, about, maybe it's the air. Maybe it's the air we breathe in. Because like when you stop eating carbs and, and everyone knows <laughs> someone that like, oh, I stopped and in two weeks I shed eight pounds. Mm-hmm. And then I realized like my body type just always wants to be like this regardless of what I eat. Granted, if I eat like a ton of ice cream, we can, I'll, I'll gain weight. Right. You're but a naturally if, thin person is what you're driving no, at? No, I'm like a middly thin. thin. I have to like kind of... I run probably like 15 miles a week or something like that to stay relatively thin. Right. Or, or, or at a, if I get heavier, it hurts my joints and stuff. So if I stay at <laughs> Sexy. a... Sexy. <laughs> I got to be at this functional weight to live. Uh, but I feel like it's not as temperamental. I'm not a race car. It's kind of like a Jeep that you can just put in whatever. But then mm-hmm. the bread thing or the carbs, I think it's the air. I think that's why people here end up having the same conversations and stuff. Because it, it's... When you hear it at a table next to you, someone talking about carbs, you're like, shut up. I know. Just shut up. And yet- Eventually, we'll all be doing CrossFit. Yeah. Oh, oh. 
I mean, I hope not. But oh my God, speaking of healthy lifestyles and eating and stuff, awkward segue is coming up. <laughs> that was it. You know you're going to snack. And when you do, you want it to be worth it. You want something that's tasty and satisfying, but doesn't make you feel guilty afterwards. What you need are snacks from NatureBox. Choose from over 100 healthy and crave-worthy options to be delivered right to your door. All the snacks are made with zero artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners, zero grams, trans fats, and no high fructose corn syrup, and they taste amazing. So much better for you than those other snack options out there. So next time you're hungry, grab sweet blueberry almond salted caramel pretzel pops and Parmesan garlic pop pops. Those are just a few of the many, many delicious options. Right now, if you go to naturebox.com slash Allison, you can get a free trial of your favorite snacks. Free snacks delivered right to your door. What are you waiting for? Go to naturebox.com slash Allison. Again, that's naturebox.com slash Allison to start your free trial today. All right. So you believe it's the air. I <laughs> nice think you're standing. right. Um, so much to talk about with you. I'm going to lay out a few options and you just sure. tell me where you want to go. I, I want to, um, quickly before I forget, okay. um, I saw a, a car the other day drive past me that had two stickers on it. One that was like the Christ one. That's kind of like tribal signal, but it says now. So there's like a cross going through now. I haven't even seen that. You've never one. seen that one? Have no. you seen that Jeff? So it's just like Christ now. You gotta get of Christ now. Right. And then the one next to it was like Carpe Christ. Christ. Yeah, exactly. Like now more than ever. <laughs> yeah. Carpet it's Christ. like Nike meets cro- uh, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and a CrossFit sticker. That oh. was it. Just those two. Interesting. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's actually N-O-T-W. It stands for not of this world. Really? Yeah. It's like the extreme Christ brand. Oh, <laughs> yeah. good to know. Okay. This, I only know this because it was explained <laughs> to me. I thought it was. Because the T is like right in the O. It's not ahead of it. Right. Yeah, but what kind marketing. of extreme Christ brand is um, it? Like extreme, like I'm into CrossFit and Christ, or extreme, like I'm I'm a fundamentalist and into CrossFit. Oh no, extreme like uh, X Games. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sporty. Ah, oh, so then the CrossFit thing does make sense. What kind of huh. car was it? Um, it was like someone that takes like a Toyota little truck and then tries to make it really tough. Okay, something like that. So like a Toyota truck with big tires and yeah. stickers. Yeah. Gotcha. This little V four cylinder is jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the things we could talk about: how you got involved with Professor Blastoff and how you know Tig. Okay. Um, all about reactor. I mean, mm-hmm. at some point we're gonna have to talk about that. Sure. I'll, I, I mean, I will be trying to like cram that into any um, conversation I'm having in life for the next few weeks. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> this is the just the place to do that. The episode of Professor Blastoff with Sarah Ruth, where she tried to claim she was some kind of loner, and then it turned out she was super social, but it emerged that you're kind of an introvert person who doesn't like crowds, mm-hmm. and you're about to go to Comic-Con, so yeah. that that is related to Reactor. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, your background and where you're from. <laughs> Choose. I, sure. I can sum a lot of those up, and you can just stop me whenever you'd like. Great. I, I'm going to walk away for a moment. <laughs> Well, um, I am from Reno, Nevada. Okay. And then I was, I existed for a number of years and then had some, you know, uh, occurrences in life as people do. And then some of those took me to Austin, Texas. And I really like started doing stand up more from there and tra- doing the road a little bit. I met Tig along those travels. What at- what were the occurrences that took you to Austin? <laughs> oh, just general life things, <laughs> standard procedures. I like went to college and in I Austin, to, or in, uh, in Colorado. Oh, so I went to Colorado and then I moved to San Diego and was a substitute teacher. And I did a, some stand up at night, like started open mics. 
And then thought that I wanted to go somewhere cheaper and just like really focus on stand up. So I did that. I lived in a house that was like four hundred dollars a month in rent. And then, it was that in Austin. Yeah, and it was this great like little A frame in the green belt, and you just I could look out the back porch. It was only trees, which did is you really love Austin because I used to go to South by Southwest. I used to cover music, so mm-hmm. I went to South by Southwest a million years in a row. And every year there were people there who who would talk about how their dream one day is just to move to Austin. And I always thought, I like it, but not as much as you do. It, um, <clears throat> when I'd be, you know, you're on a, in, at the airport with someone or, you know, or on a flight, a lot of plane intensive things, but, uh, and someone would say, oh, you're going to Austin or, oh, I'm from Austin. Someone inevitably would go, I've heard it's great. Or someone would say, it is great. Mm-hmm. And then when I got there, I was like, it really kind of lives up to that. It's not like pizza that you bite into. Like, mm, this isn't that great. Everyone goes, yeah, it's. I don't know if it's great for me, but it is. It is great to just walk around and hear music everywhere, and people right. are pretty friendly and it's a slow pace, and the air smells really sweet and nice. And mm-hmm. um, bats, bats flying out, guano <laughs> everywhere you can get it. I got but. there. There was a bird that shit in my hair. Is there guano <laughs> in bird shit or just bat shit? Uh, that's a good question. I think only bat shit has the guano. Okay. Thanks a lot. No carbs. Look what you've done to me. <laughs> Because you said guano and I just thought bird shit. And that was wrong. My I brain might be is, wrong though. Again, know, I'm dealing think, with a less than great brain over here as well. <laughs> no, I, don't, I think you're right though. Okay, I do too. But I might be basing that on Ace Ventura too. Hey, wherever you get your info. Okay. That's great. Okay. So anyway, you went to Texas. You lived in a $400 house. It lived up to the hype. You liked Austin. I didn't like the summers. I I had, I had a pickup truck. I got the air conditioning fixed in California. I drove down to Austin and then all winter didn't need it. The mm. first day it got hot, I turned on my air conditioning and it blew up. Mm. And then they couldn't fix it because oddly, Texas was ahead of California in environmental regulations on Freon. That's sad for so us. It was terrible. And so I could not grasp that. Like, how is Texas? Was ahead? Texas ahead of us or Austin? Yeah. I think Texas as a state. Wow. Yeah. Texas as a state was ahead. They had R134A. And uh, so I was so broke and I couldn't, I'd gotten it done at a chain place because I wanted to get it. If if something happened to it, like I can take it, I'm going to be in Texas and they couldn't do anything. So I would like drive to the comedy club so sweaty. I would just walk straight into the walk-in refrigerator and just stand in there <laughs> for a while and then change my shirt and then work. And then, I, so I was doing stand-up at night too. And then I- um, And were you were you teaching during the day in yeah, Texas as well? Yep. What was yeah. your subject? Uh, mostly I did math. Did a lot of like junior high math. Um, and then I stopped. I had just had it. So I just quit and didn't really, and then I did some of those like medical research things for a bit. Oh, like what? Um, I it, Mostly it was stuff for like ADD medication. And they're like, this is already approved by the FDA. They're just going to increase the dosage or they're experimenting with whatever. So I would do those. I would like, I was just so adamant that I needed as much time as I could to myself that if I could go make like my rent for a month or two in two or three days. So would, would you check into a clinic and take drugs and they'd watch you? Yeah. 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 You get woken up like every couple hours and you're just like lab rats. You're in bunk beds and uh-huh. you, you're not supposed to be late. You're like it's up to you to get up and march over there and hold out your arm. And after doing a couple of them, you look and you're like, my veins are never going to be the same. I mean, you're really like a drug addict. Are they because they're are just they injecting a constant drugs? needles going in and out? Like you're. But you are know, they taking blood or injecting just, drugs? Just taking blood. They just okay. take a little blood sample. Like every. They regulate what you eat. You can't bring. They check you when you go in, like what you can bring mm-hmm. in. And so mostly people just bring books and DVDs and stuff like that. And then. 
no contraband. You can't have like any candy bars or anything like that. And then, uh, so I did that for a while, uh, just to avoid having any real job. I was like, I will, I'd rather be experimented on than have to go somewhere and just sort of like sell my time. How was the experience? I never, I never had any averse reaction. It could be the brain thing happening though. I, I, that I mean, did occur to me. <laughs> it definitely could, but I'm, most of the stuff is pretty innocuous. Every like 20 years you hear about one of those, or like people's skin and right. it's crawling and all this. So what were all the expand. drugs, what were all the drugs that were tested on you? I never did any cancer ones. I mostly just did like. <laughs> you, you specialized. Because there are some where like they're trying to skirt FDA regulations or they're trying to increase the dosage to a level where people would get sick. Or right. I, 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 you always, and if you're even considering doing something like that, you'll wander through your life into a grizzled veteran at that. Uh-huh. Oh, I did that. Here's what you don't do. <laughs> and then so I would listen to that person like, okay, so these ones are safe. Those ones are safe. So I would do that. And then, so mostly it was like ADD stuff. So were so speed basically. Yeah, but I never felt jittery at all. Oh, you didn't? I mean, yeah, I never felt any effects really. I was never in there like, am I losing it or no double vit? Not anything. So that interesting. Could be, yeah, it was just it was very innocuous, and I. So and then that's what what led me to do like another one. I think I did three or four total. And you would make your month's rent, which was like $400, though? That's like what it pays? <laughs> I'd make like a couple months. And then I was like, I would work at night at the comedy club, you know, when I didn't have shows or something like that. I didn't have a lot of shows in. So it was mostly like do open mics, bus tables at the comedy club, and then uh, and then do those things on it like maybe once every two months or something. And I really didn't do that for very long. I did premium blend kind of shortly at the end of that. And mm-hmm. I felt like that was sort of a... Not karma, but it was weird that like you put your foot in the ground, like I'm not working anymore, and you just kind of open up, to, like, all right, what in the hell is going to happen next? And then that happened. I was like, oh great, I'm going to do a spot on TV, and then from there, I, then I did a spot on Last Comic Standing, and that's how I met Tig. We were on the same oh, season. Oh, what season was that? Season four, was it your Josh Blue one, right? How was that experience? It's similar to the drug testing one, right? Because <laughs> yeah, you're quarantine and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so I was used to that aspect of it. <laughs> And they give you a little per diem and they had a bar in the hotel. So me and the other Austin guys stayed there pretty much the whole time. and just wasted our per diem drinking and just wanted no part of the cameras coming around. Mm-hmm. And when we were flying out, um, we went to this barbecue place, the Salt Lake, which is really great in Austin. And they have one in the airport. And I ordered, I realized their potato salad wasn't very good. I was going to run up to the front and be like, hey, can I just switch to beans? But the woman <laughs> didn't like uh, understand English all that great. So I forget, it. I'll just stick with potato salad. I told that story to my friends at the table and they're like, dude, you should save that for the show. That was the worst story I've ever heard. <laughs> it's just so boring. It goes nowhere. It ends up with me having potato salad. So whenever the cameras would come around, and it, I mean, it's terrible. You're there with people you kind of know. You're having a conversation and a boom mic drops in. Mm. And one of them inevitably would go, have I told you about my Aunt Sylvia? Well, <laughs> it was oh God, terrible. It, it turns into Byron Allen. Oh, so gross. And then we would just look at each other like, oh, it's gross. So then we started this running gag where anytime the boom mic dropped in, my friend Doug would ask me, what'd you have for lunch today? <laughs> and then I would tell that story just lengthened to an excruciating degree until everyone just left. So it started by like day three, anytime the camera, or the boom mic would show up, like, hey man, you any potato salad lately? They just take off. They're just like, ah, oh, screw these guys. <laughs> so that ended up, that was, I still think about that fondly. Like it really <laughs> didn't help me advance in the show in any way, but I thought it was hilarious. And in the end, when we're all getting cut and they're picking the final people, 
this camera guy standing there just like looks worn out. He's so tired holding his camera, like hung over his hip. I was like, are you tired, man? You're running back and forth. He goes, I'm so tired. I can't wait to go home tonight. Probably kick back and treat myself to some potato salad. <laughs> I was like, all right, we got through to the camera guy. <laughs> so I felt like if that was who I wanted to impress anyway. They, like, So that, that was, Tig was there during that, you know, like we'd hang mm-hmm. out in the lobby and chit chat. And then she was doing the, they just filmed it as a Showtime special, the knock knock thing. Did you hear about that at all? Mm-mm. So she would like go, her and Martha Kelly, Steve Agee, and a roving band of other people would do these things where like they would just announce on Facebook, like we're coming to your town. If you have a, a backyard, a shed, a basement, and you want us to perform, we will. Oh, that's cool. It was great. Yeah. And they were doing one in the backyard at someone's house in Austin. And they, I think because Tig knew me, they called him like, do you want to open? And then we kind of started staying in touch there. So when I'd come to LA and visit with Tig, and then I kind of got to know Kyle through that. I lived with Tig for a while. Like they all lived in LA and then asked me, I was just a nomad. I lived, all my stuff was in a little station wagon. I'd kind of left Austin and just was out for a couple of years, just kind of sleeping on couches. And then they were like, you should come to move to LA, come live in LA. So I moved in with them in Venice. And then we started the podcast shortly after mm-hmm. that. And when was that? That was 2011, I believe. 2011, yeah. Can I ask you a question that's been sticking in my head since the talk of being a uh, person that was experimented on? <laughs> sure. And I don't know, even know if you know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do they experiment on animals and then like the final stage is on people or is it animals or people? Yeah, I think the clinical trials go animals in stages like mice, then chimps, and then people in low dosage and then raising those doses as high as they can. Or maybe as With low people? as they can to sell them for as much. That would make more sense. Right. With people, yeah. So I was I, never on any of them that were at like the testing stage. These were always like they're going to readdress like what is the legal dosage. So they're maybe going to uh, up it or lower it. Or I see. Like okay. Because I know, see, even saying this, people are going to send me information that's going to make me sad. And I don't want it. Don't send me anything. Yeah. But I know with drugs, if you look in probably like Merck or something like that, there's the LD50, which is the lethal you know, the dose at which 50% of the population that takes it will die. And Mm. they can't figure that out on people, except like anecdotally, accidentally once. Right. (laughs) So I shudder to think how they figure that out. I never wanted to. Don't tell me anyone. I don't want to know. I know it's disturbing. Please don't share that. Those, I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, I guess living in a bit of ignorance is wrong, man, but I think it's totally necessary. I don't, I never understood people. You got to know this. I don't need to know how a chicken nugget is made. I should but if I see it, it's... I, yeah. I have total cognitive dissonance about... Cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. The way I said it was some other... <laughs> there's some other I letters it- crept in there <laughs> about eating meat. Because I do eat meat. But if I really think about it, like I'm really not okay with it. And yet, the see, only way that... Oh, sorry. Well, the only way that I can do it is because it's so removed. Like, I've, I've gone around and around about this. Um, I even have, you know, Joe Rogan, my old job will come on the, on the podcast and I talk to him about it sometimes. Like this idea that somehow a hunter values animals more because they are willing to like look the animal in the eye and kill it. That mm-hmm. never, I've, I've always been sort of confused by that because my thing is, but 
I could never go out there and kill an animal. I get that my dollars are doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get, and, and so maybe I'm worse because I'm complicit in it, but I, I, I can't accept it. But like, if it was like, you have to go kill an animal or else you can't eat meat, then I would not eat meat. I just, the only way I can do it is when I buy it in a package. See, I have several thoughts on that. Um, one, a day no pigs would die, which is, you know, like the kid goes out, the dad is sort of dragging the kid along with this metal pipe. Is this a short story? It's pretty short. And uh, I, I don't know it though. I oh, wasn't asking the length of it. Oh, I was just saying, story. is it? Uh, I think it's a book. It's a little okay. probably like 100 page book. Mostly, gotcha. I think it's kind of a kid's book, but that young adult level. Mm-hmm. And the kid, it's a, it's his pet, you know, this pig, but it's cold. It's winter. They need to eat. Mm. And the dad's dragging the kid out there. And the kid is screaming and crying. Oh, dad, don't do this. Dad, you can't do this. It sounds like an awful, awful It's novella. brutal. And the way it's written is 50 times worse. It's so graphic, the crunch of the snow the and lot. then the crunch of the skull <gasps> when the dad follows through. But then the kid looks up and the dad is crying. Mm. And he's like, it's hard to do what it's necessary. It's yeah. hard. Like, I have to feed the family. This is not a joyous thing for me. So I I think that way in terms of like the hunter side. I'm like I'm like you. If I had cattle or something, they'd be pets. I could right. not go out and like, all right, here we go. You fun like I know certain people live as vegans all the time and and don't have a protein deficiency. From my so some of the occurrences in my life that led to me going to college and stuff were, were uh, I worked on ranches and I would like take care of cattle for the whole summer. And this was the, in Nevada. This is in Nevada, yeah, and and like near. Um, the Eastern Sierras side of California, mm-hmm. the Inyo Valley. Um, we'd drive them way up into the, the mountains near Mount Whitney. It was really pretty. But there's a lot of like effort that goes into that. There's a lot of care. And when I think of like the people who take care of cattle, it's not like a salmon farm. They're genuinely like riding horses out. They have to care for those animals. And right. then the cattle themselves, like the amount of work of like huddling over a fire and keeping a sick calf alive, knowing they're going to take like that calf is going to, when it's healthy, be shipped off to be food. Right. But the amount of effort that people put into it, I feel like it's, I, I feel so hypocritical to go, I shouldn't eat this and then do it. You should like, to me, either eat it and go, I'm glad someone put in the effort to, I don't have to crush this pig's skull. Mm. Or... I'm not going to eat it. I don't feel good about it. So like it's I, adding a whole new wrinkle to my already <laughs> super wrinkly relationship <laughs> with meat. I'm, I have one step in the no longer eating meat world. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't. Both feet are still sitting on a pile of ham. But I don't know. Because then one day, because I always felt the way I said before, which I can no longer even articulate. It's because I don't have, it's the lack of bread. Um, I know it's the opposite of what it's supposed to do. But um, but then one day I was like, but wait a minute. And this is going to contradict what you said. Mm-hmm. But assuming that the, the life of an animal in a factory farm is pretty shitty, mm-hmm. maybe if you do go out and shoot your meat with a bow and arrow and it had a great life up to that point and never saw it coming maybe that's actually more humane yeah i think about that too like have you seen food inc no so he grows his cattle on grass i mean we have a huge problem the the taco bell and the pink slime and all that crap was like on a weird level scientifically really impressive that we can bleach we uh bleach meat with ammonia and destroy all the E. coli that's mm-hmm. rampant in American uh, slaughterhouses because they eat so much corn, it gets too hot in them. Right. So this guy raises his, his you know, beef on grass and it's very natural and there are no E. coli. But the way, like, 
to go and smash a pig's head with a pipe is brutal. Like the way that we kill our cattle though, I feel like in an agrarian sense, everyone having a farm and I give you wool and then Mm -hmm. you build a house or you build a roof for my house and then someone else gives me a chicken and that's great. And we've moved so far beyond that. Very few cattle are actually raised in a factory farm setting. They're mostly brought in from ranches. So pigs are the problem? No, pigs are the same way. I mean, there are, I guess pigs are probably a little easier to Chickens? Throughout. What's the problem here? <laughs> There's factory farming for all those, definitely. But like cattle mostly come from ranches. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're outsourced okay. to like, they're grown outside and they come in and they're fattened up for the final few months of their life and then killed. Um, but the thing with like food ink or growing them on grass, like the, the natural life cycle, the bow and arrow is brutal. You just lay there and bleed. You, yeah. you know, animals that die out in the wilderness, they're starting to get eaten before they're even dead. Like if, if nothing else, I, I take a little solace knowing like a cow walks in and then Temple Grandin made it easier for them to not be scared because mm. of the light. And then all of a sudden it's just a lobotomy. There's just something, it's just boom. And they are no longer having any capacity to feel pain or anything just without knowledge it's at least merciful to me. It's right. not ideal, but at least it's not like a wolf chewing at their neck. Yeah. But I I feel the whole thing, very I still, similar to you. When I think about it, though, I still can't can't feel okay with it. Yeah. It's weird. Like if you put 100 houses together, and you're like, ah, I made that for all those people. And then each 100 persons did something different. There's our society. But the idea of someone that's like, I'll grow all the food and I'll kill it all. It's right. so weird. Just- I should say... I'm speaking, the, I should say though, I'm speaking strictly for me mm-hmm. living in LA, living the lifestyle I live where it's not necessary for me to eat it. Like I'm sure there's, you know, people are going to write in and be like, but I, you know, shot, you know, this many pounds of elk and it's in my freezer and it's feeding my village or yeah. I, have, I have villagers <laughs> have who village listen. Listeners? I don't believe them, but I'm just saying, and I get it. I get it. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong for anyone else. I'm just saying for me, I'm having trouble wrapping Greetings my from Elk Village. We are furious again. <laughs> no, <laughs> you've done it this time. <laughs> but I also, I think it's like one thing is how it affects the animals. And then the other thing is that sort of sanctimonious because I shot it myself, I'm better than you. And that's yeah, the part yeah. that I, that's the part that I take umbrage with. Cause that I think is the cleanest part of that argument that I can be like, um, I don't think so. Yeah. Because to me, I, it's not a great feat to be able to kill something. It actually frightens me. Yeah. I'm, I don't love that quality in another being. And I, I get yeah. that there's hypocrisy. I'm dripping in hypocrisy here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's what scares me is the idea that someone is so cavalier. They'll, they'll say they're not cavalier about mm-hmm. it. But anyway, sorry to take it in this direction. I didn't mean to go this hey, far. Hey, no in this problem. It's, uh, I mean, food in our country is pretty much poison in every level. And so we, I think we should be having these conversations, but people want to feel so proud of how they eat and what they eat. And I, I don't know that that serves anything. I like, like to feel shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I stopped eating uh, pork because I don't like the way they are killed. So mm-hmm. I'm one of the, I will like, is this a locally grown? <laughs> no one likes that person. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the image of them. They're too smart. They, I've been around all the other animals. They're really dumb, but pigs are fairly smart. And the way they're killed is... It's not cool, I feel like. So, I don't know. I don't know how they're... Like, they're killed by cracking their skulls? Can't no, it's similar. It it's similar to, to cattle. But the but way they like know. sweep them with these big, ominous gates, the like automated gates that just treat them like... They count them out like pills in a 
pharmacist, you know, sort right. of dish. Or like they, that flip it game in a casino where you put in a quarter and then like this thing sweeps yeah, out yeah. and you try to like that. It's like that. Yeah. And the pigs are watching the gate like, who's doing this? Hey, what? Hey. So hey, they, I'm, know I'm what's, here. they know what's happening. They seem to kind of know and they, they have fear in their eyes. It just doesn't look cool to me at all. Um, and you've seen this <laughs> when you worked on ranches? No, I saw that in Food Inc. Oh. And then I've I've seen pigs killed in like on a farm mm-hmm. and it doesn't look that even if they are kind of scared it doesn't look as terrifying because it's more hands-on right i when i was in colorado um and i did this in san diego too but i used to put shoes on horses feet mm-hmm. i used to say shoe horses be like you murder horses but i would put shoes on their feet wait because they thought you were saying shoot yeah they thought i was saying shoot okay like, what do you do i shoe horses <gasps> As if they were just so a common job. So you're a horse job. cobbler. Yeah. That, that would mean you fix their shoes off their hooves. So Sometimes you can reset them. You can take off shoes, kind of clean them up, put them right back on. You trim the hoof. Right. But doing that, like when I was in Colorado, hunters would give me meat. And mm-hmm. I thought that was the closest I've gotten to sort of an agrarian setup. Yeah, it was nice. I mean, just like you shake someone's hand, you're helping an animal. It was, to me, probably the best job I've had. It's really demanding physically. Right. So I'm glad to be just hosting a television show now. But... um now, I've seen uh, the way they put horses on shoes on Sesame Street a long time ago. <laughs> you nail it into the hoof, right? Yeah, yeah. Do they not have nerves in their hooves? It's like us. It's keratin. So it's... If someone put a nail in my nail, I would feel that, though. No, you wouldn't. Tiny little... Like, would, you can like try... Tiny it. proportional size yes, one? Yes, like, like a sewing needle, like a small gauge sewing needle. Next time your fingernail grows out, push it through. You won't feel it. Okay. I get, I get what you're saying now. Do you ride horses? I don't as much, but yeah, I grew up doing it and like I was on the rodeo team and all that oh, stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Did that get you a lot of chicks? No, not it, all these things. I mean, like I skied, I should have been doing great, but I just didn't have a lot of, I was a late bloomer mm. and I was smaller and I just didn't have a lot of confidence, you know, I, uh, my dad was never really that like much of a, he's he's pretty mellow and so I didn't have, I don't know, not that that's like, oh, I should have been more aggressive, but I just, <laughs> it was, anytime you see a movie where like someone is like pining after a girl and doing all the wrong things of, here's a card I made for you. I did a lot of that stuff. So <laughs> it didn't it How didn't did the great. cards go? Because my husband would love that I'm sharing that he has a story of giving a card to a girl, but I think it's, he's still scarred by it. <laughs> didn't go well. I, don't, I forget what, what even happened. I think he just labored because he's really artistic and he mm-hmm. labored over it and then she didn't talk to him after for a while and he was like i'm never giving a card to, like when he gave me a card the first time it was like a big deal mm-hmm. <laughs> for him yeah my girlfriend and i when we started dating i made this really stupid song it was just not like i love you so it was just a goof it was just like mm-hmm. a silly comedy song and i was like hey i'm gonna send you this song I, and she was like no don't do it and i couldn't get that she's like this dude sent me a song a while and it creeped me out and I, so I sent it to her, I was like, just listen to it. And then she was like, oh, good. Whew. I'm relieved. I thought it was going to be like single note. I love you. <laughs> Super earnest. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. And I can see where that compulsion comes from. I mean, that definitely to me, Greg Barrett had a joke where he was just like, you know, when you're a guy, you're in high school and you're like, oh, you don't like me? You don't like me? Well, I have got the perfect thing. I'm going to make you a mixtape. <laughs> And that's yes. just, I, it's exactly how people, re, you know, kind of go about that when you're in that, the sort of the friend zone or whatever. It's just like, well, things aren't going well. I need to be way nicer. I need to show them that I can't stop thinking about them. And so I think that was part of it. The, right. the horseshoeing, I don't know. No one really saw that. I'd go out to like a different group to do the rodeo stuff and then come back to school. So it wasn't like people I was around 
regularly would see that and be like, dude, that was, that was pretty cool. I want to talk about the, your lack of confidence and what your dad was like and stuff. But since we're talking about romance, it makes me think of a book that uh, that everyone should go get. And that is Aziz Ansari's new book or first book. I think it's his first book. Okay. I'm going to say that. Sure. I hope it's right. Mm -hmm. But it's modern romance. Uh, and it's a New York Times bestseller. And he did it with... Uh, an NYU sociologist and it was like a huge massive research project I remember on because I follow him on Twitter and I remember when he was writing the book he would periodically post things asking people to take part in surveys and trying to collect information and I was so blown away by that because if someone told me Aziz Ansari was writing a book I would assume it'd be a funny memoir mm -hmm. and I'm sure that would be hilarious but this was like a much bigger undertaking talking about what relationships and dating are like in this modern age and how it intersects with technology. Uh, and it's fascinating. And I'll point out there's a lot of pictures and a lot of graphs in the book. So <laughs> if that's your thing, you'll definitely enjoy this. Uh, at some point, every one of us embarks on a journey to find love. We meet people, date, get into and out of relationships, all with the hope of finding someone with whom we share a deep connection. Uh, and in modern romance, Aziz Ansari combines his irreverent humor with cutting-edge social science to give us an unforgettable tour of our new romantic world. Like I said, he teamed up with an NYU sociologist and designed a massive research project, hundreds of interviews and focus groups from Tokyo to Buenos Aires to Wichita, and they analyzed behavioral data and enlisted the world's leading social scientists. So it's unlike any other social science or humor book that you've seen before. It's hilarious, thoughtful. It's an in-depth exploration of the pleasures and perils of modern romance. And the AV Club raves. It's hard to think of another celebrity book that also feels like breaking news. Aside from the jokes, the science of modern romance holds water and it's absolutely fascinating. So make sure to go get this book. I think you'll find that it is fascinating given just how weird it is to try to find a relationship and stay in a relationship, meet someone these days with all the various avenues and how much the world is different than it was uh, in our parents' time. Or depending on how old you are, your grandparents' time. Find out more at book.azizansari.com. Again, that is book.azizansari.com. Alrighty. So you're saying your dad didn't have much swagger either? No, no, no. I didn't mean that. My dad, uh, I think he had steady girlfriends through high school. And so he was not sort of, uh, but I, I don't know what it was. He just, I don't feel like I got a lot of uh, sitting down and here's, here's what you do, son. Right. Or any of that. So I just I didn't get of, any of that either. I didn't know how to date for the longest time. Yeah. I had to read a lot of books. Oh, is that what you, you just read books? <laughs> well, I don't know that that helped. I just, I've, I was the kind of person who was like, in this modern world, if you'd like a guy, you can just let him know, which mm -hmm. theoretically is true. There's no law against it. It just doesn't ever go well. <laughs> um, I do kind I as antiquated as it sounds, I do think it just works better when you let the guy pursue to a degree mm -hmm. or at least. How did it go when you made a move? What were your moves? Oh, my moves would just be like, hey, do you want to go see a movie or something? I mean, essentially mm -hmm. just asking the guys out and they would say yes because I yeah. was a ton of fun. But then <laughs> and then you know, flash forward to the inevitable conversation with my friend where I'm like, and then I did this and then he said this and then he said this and then I said this and then he said this. Do, what do you think? You know, and then we'd analyze it for signs of whether he liked me or not, yeah. which I, I don't think he did because I think when you're doing that, like mm -hmm. that's what I learned as I got older 
if someone likes you, you probably know. I mean, it's easier to tell. Yeah. If you're analyzing it and trying to look for little hints and signs, then yeah, no. So I think that because I was asking guys out, well, maybe they weren't going to like me anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I had, I was, but you know, you know what though? I had a lot of friendships where I had crushes on the guys. I had this, this, this was when I was much younger because I was also a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. So that was my thing always. I'd have a good friend who was a guy and I would be pining for him. Yeah. I think that I was more comfortable in that situation than I don't still think I was ready for a relationship yet. It's kind of nice to when you have those habits to get in there. Like, yes. This is kind of how I exist. It's what I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is me. I really need something to yearn after. To <laughs> right. Do. Yeah, I I totally identify with that. And I don't know really where I grew out of it. Because mm-hmm. when I look at uh, how my girlfriend and I got together, I sometimes like, oh, that just happened very smoothly, how the way that- it should. Like, I, you know, I met her, I was doing comedy. She was working at the hotel. I have never done that. Talk to like waitstaff or anything uh-huh. like that. I really didn't like when comics would go out and do that. But I went in to get like a parking pass for a friend of mine or something. And she just was making me laugh very, very dryly, mm-hmm. like, I think she knows she's being funny, but she's not really letting on. <laughs> and I went out to the car and told my friend, like, that, that girl's really cool. And then I would come down, you know, the next few days and when I was headed out or whatever, I'd just chat with her or whatnot. And then I invited her to a show, which I had never done. She came and then I, uh, that was it. We just, I took off. And then I was coming back through town a couple of days later. Was that, what town was this? This was Minneapolis. Okay. And so I went into the college um, in like Iowa, or no, Indiana. And then I was driving back to fly out of Minneapolis. And I was like, do you want to have lunch? And we did. And then it was just kind of like, all right, nice to meet you. See you later. There's, I, we may have hugged. Um, it might have also been a handshake, like, nice meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we just kind of stayed in touch via text or you know things every once a month. And then uh, I got invited back to do like this anniversary show there at the comedy club. And so I invited her as my guest. And then after that, we hung out that night and she just was my guest at a party and around all my friends. We got along well and they liked her and we just had a conversation like we should maybe stay in touch. I don't know what else. And that, so that's all we did is just talk more on the phone. And then she came to visit and then I went to visit her. And then shortly after that, she moved out and then it just happened very, very to LA. yeah she moved to la she'd always wanted to move to california and so that's where it kind of seemed like a feasible idea uh-huh. oh that's interesting you know and did was that related to you her moving out here no not at all she was you know she was just like i i feel like california has always kind of been a place where i wanted to go I'm like, well all right and then she she wanted to go to San Francisco initially. So one of the visits she came out, I drove her around all of California. Like we went on oh. to the tour of the whole state. Wow. And shortly after- Were you guys we, were already dating at that point? Yeah, like long distance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, so we at that point had been like, I'm not talking to anybody else. And right. It's just kind of strange to, to do. Like this person I never see. <laughs> You're mine. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then we did that loop of California and then- uh, we were pretty much, you know, uh, we didn't move in right away. She moved out here and then got her own place. And then, but we live together now, like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But there was never, I was thinking about it, like there was never a, why hasn't she called me or any of those moments. It was always yeah. just very like how you would expect a nice person to treat you. There's never any like, I'm going to wait a few days or I'm going to be kind of a shithead to this person. That's how it was with my husband and me. And I wonder, is that because both of us 
didn't want to play games or is it because games grow out of you being you trying to have a relationship with like the wrong person yeah that's what i wonder is it just when it's right it's just super easy i think so yeah because i would hear that and it sounded so trite to me i'm like oh, of course you say that when you're not looking that's when you're like, right shut up yeah me too. Uh, but there is some truth to that i mean it really is pretty with us it has been very easy and there was never like a sizing one another up or mm -hmm. oh she thinks she's gonna get away with this well i'll not call her for a couple of <laughs> yeah. any of that stuff there's none of that so i really appreciate it i i don't know what that is though you're right like the game thing like some people you just you you didn't want it to go that way and mm -hmm. suddenly it is and right well i think it i mean for me it would grow out of suddenly feeling like oh this i i like this person too much or they know so i need to save mm -hmm. my pride by playing a little hard to get and yeah oh <laughs> oh god yeah i'm so happy Hope I never have to do all that again. Yeah, when you see comedians go out and they're like, "Well, I'm newly single." God, like, oh, oh boy, it's just so uncomfortable. It's the idea of that. I mean, the the jokes are always the same. What are you kids are doing now? I couldn't. Be this. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna change. So it's gonna be so much worse. Like this, like Aziz's book is interesting because, like, culturally you can't really put your finger on how things are going to change or when they mm -hmm. have changed or it just suddenly is, Oh, it's really different now. And no one knows why, or it wasn't purposefully driven right. that way. I just want to say as a message to my newly single listeners though, for anyone <laughs> who recently got broken up with or broke up with someone who just heard me say that and went, Oh fuck. Um, but the good news is now you're in a position to meet the right person because mm -hmm. whoever you were with was just standing in the way. Yeah. So look at it that way. That's also, being single is so exciting. Not really. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes it can. When you meet the right person, mm -hmm. it is exciting. So tell me about Reactor. So that's, um, I did this uh, Kickstarter project last year to make a stand-up special. And I was really busy with it, like communicating with all these animators and and equipment people and director and film crew and all that. Just to and do an animated stand-up special, right? Yeah, it's it's half and half. It's like animation plays while I'm on stage doing stand-up, so it's like an accompanying visual mm -hmm. thing. And uh, so I was really busy with that, and in the midst of it, a friend of mine sent me a text, like, hey, there's a show. Would, do you have any interest? And I was like, I'm, I don't know. I uh, Was your friend... Uh, he involved just had, in the show? Somehow? No, no, just had a familiarity with it. Oh, okay. Just like, I can set you up, help you with an audition for it. Right. And so I went in and, and auditioned and like, I had these weird nerves. I hadn't auditioned in a long time because I, when I first moved out here, I feel like auditioning is, especially if you're a comedian, it's like someone, you're just walking by a baseball diamond and someone goes, hey, why don't you get in there? You look like you could swing a baseball bat pretty good. Why don't you get in there? And you strike out and they're like, you are awful. Like, <laughs> I didn't even want to play. I don't know why you sent me in there. And so I just put down the bat and was like, I am not going in that cage anymore. It makes me feel horrible. And uh, the That's last- That's how few I feel about auditions too. It's I mean, terrible. I'm not- stand-up but um i'm also not a baseball player so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just not a natural thing for a human being to go into a small right. room it's very usually odd, uh, terribly lit and a camera on a tripod and people that are very disinterested in you mm -hmm. going all right whenever you're ready and they're horrible. not even the people it took me a while to realize this says the person who doesn't book jobs they are <laughs> not even the people that you have to impress it's the people who are watching the tape ultimately yeah that I mean, you should impress them, the people in the room too, yeah. but it's, they're just, it's whoever's going to see it. Oh, I definitely. Think. Yeah. I mean, and I saw that kind of, 
I saw that from the inside and how that went because I, you know, it's like a video game going to the <laughs> the person that was there. There was a guy kind of operating the camera and this woman was running an iPad that was the teleprompter. Mm-hmm. And so I had read the jokes and then I had written a few on my own and I was like, can I riff and do my, she said, please do that. So I was doing that and she was kind of laughing into her shoulder and stuff. And that made That's me feel a good really sign. good. Like, yeah. Oh, cool. I'm at least making her laugh. And then she sent it to the, you know, the next people. And then I went back and did like a test with the studio audience and, and that went pretty well. And ahead of that, I met with the producers and they're great. And we really hit it off and laughed a bunch and stuff. And then, then it was just kind of some waiting and then they were figuring out whether they were going to do a pilot or, and then, um, in February I was on tour with the band and I got a call like right at the end of it, like they're going to do 12 episodes. So that was awesome. So that's kind of like throughout the course of doing this stand up thing and putting it together, that was, I, when I had some free time, I'd race over and do the audition or uh-huh. go to a meeting or go to a fitting and whatever. So, Ooh, do you think just like dating, the reason you got this is because you didn't need for it to happen because you had all this other shit going on? Yeah. I think there's something to that where like, and granted, you always need something that's big, a big deal, you know, mm. like could really change your uh, whole career and everything. And, and yet just kind of it's easy to kind of go, oh, we're just spinning around on this rock and we're a part of this big unit. We're nothing. It's nothing really matters. And yet when something's presented in front of you, there's a little beat in your heart that steps it up a little. It's like, yeah. this would be cool. <laughs> and I think because I was busy and because I had other things and had gotten accustomed to just like, just keep moving ahead and doing stuff that you like. And if it falls in place, great. I think that definitely helped because when I was in there, I was like, if this doesn't work. I've got other stuff I'm busy with. And you know, that's how it's going to shake out. And I think I was relaxed and pretty loose with it. And, uh, yeah, it, it was just fun throughout, like the whole process. The I never like left any of it going, oh, that was nerve wracking <laughs> or anything like what that. What band it's, were you on tour with? Pinback. Do you know them from um, San Diego? I feel like I do. I think I might. Okay. They're Possibly. terrific. Yeah, it was really fun. It was And good. you were doing comedy with, or are you playing <laughs> yeah. in a band? No, I was doing comedy and I would just walk out on stage. It was so weird to see how different people's setups are their expectations for it's an art form it's music you would think that the cross-pollination of a different genre of some form of entertainment would like people would be oh okay what's going on here every venue was i would go do you guys have like a can you turn on the music or bring up the lights and like yeah right when you walk out we'll do that (laughs) like, can you say from the back mic like ladies and gentlemen we don't have that so it was just a loud group in the first show it was not only a loud group of people they had reached their breaking point and they started chanting the band's name lights down i walk out on stage they start <laughs> cheering and then it was like a 20 foot deep stage so I, i'm snaking my way up to the mic and they're being like who in the hell is this <laughs> i finally get to the mic good evening so disappointed just every face like what is this and then i like battled my way through it mm-hmm. and like each subsequent set was pretty fun because like the band would go, do you want us to introduce you? They might like be more receptive. And I was like, no way. <laughs> I really liked that glimpse into like, what will people give you if there's n- if they have no prior knowledge? No one's right. told them that it's cool. No one's told them how to respond or react. What are people at their most basic level? And they're typically jerks. They're <laughs> like, just going to hang out at the bar and drink and then maybe glance over their shoulder and go, nah, not into this. But the shows that went well were so fun Mm because it was people making up their own minds. Like, I'm going to pay attention and I'm going to see if this is worth investing in. And then those were great. Those shows were really fun. It is weird, the resistance to comedy before a rock show. Because I remember Mm -hmm. I lived in New York for a while and I think it was David Cross opening for a band called Arlo. I might have that wrong. But I mean, it was David Cross. And yet still, 
there were people who were just like, what is this? Like confused. Yeah. Why is there not music before my music? Yeah. Why is there not music that I don't want to see before the music <laughs> that I do want to see? Um, okay. So, but, but let's go back to reactor for a moment. Okay. So it's on sci-fi channel and yeah. what is the format? So it's a, it's a clip show. It's a weekly catch up. So it, it's just ideally it's going to be a place where people that watch sci-fi shows, fantasy shows like game of Thrones, walking dead. Um, when, uh, like minority report gets up and going or, you know, there's so many of them that people mm-hmm. like it's 12 monkeys and on the sci-fi itself does a lot of that programming, but it'll just be kind of a destination place for people to catch up and, we'll show clips that happened the week before and comment on them. And a lot of jokes like a, a, you know, normal clip show, but it's not a green screen show. It's I'll do some clips and then I sit behind a desk and do like kind of some new stuff. And then there's an interview with someone from that world. So it's just meant to be like kind of a celebration of that and, but being silly with it the whole mm-hmm. time too. So we'll have some sketches and stuff in there and that sort of thing. So are you excited for it? I, mean, I it's am. Huge. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Everyone involved is really cool. And I, it, it feels so dumb. Cause like when people give these interviews and like, we became like a family of the series <laughs> and like, Shh, it's gross. But I really do like everyone from the executives all the, to everyone in our office. Like it's a whole team of people that are really into it and really like want it to do well mm-hmm. so yeah i'm psyched I, I think it's i think it's a good show so if it if it doesn't do well it'll be disappointing just because like oh so many terrible things like make it through yeah and it would be nice for not to say this is the godfather or anything like that but it's just something i feel like comes from a good place and so i hope there's hope there's room for that well i recently met mike henry oh he's, he's awesome here. he's one of the writers yeah right? yeah He's always drawing wolves and different animals and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I So shortly after we had settled on the date for you to come on this podcast, then I was doing Mike Henry's podcast, and he said that he had started working on a new show, uh, Reactor. And I'm like, mm. I know that. I just put that guy. <laughs> what a small world for me personally. Yeah, cool. You know? um, I asked the, the listeners if they had any questions for you, and a few came in. Okay. And there is a thing. I don't know if we should play the song we play or if we should play Brooks Whelan doing his version of what the song should be. Jeff, what should we do? It's time for Topic Time. A topic Time. It's time <laughs> for the Topic Time. Which really is not what this is. So now we have a song and we have Brooks Whelan doing something neither of which fully apply to when we take in questions from the audience over twitter but that's okay <laughs> so it's not called topic time no <laughs> is it called twitter time if if we play it enough it'll it become will be. that yeah <laughs> i mean it is time and there are some topics so worse. Ah, okay all right uh rafael castaneda says nice pronunciation thank you there was a tilde over the end and i i fe- in the in the Right as I got to Caston, I was like, I'm going to give this my all. You really nailed it. Thank you. I mean, you. any reservations you had about your brain today, <laughs> you just really absolved them there. I hope both of my Spanish teachers, even though I had three and I can't remember who the third one was, <laughs> will, be, will be thrilled with me right now. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. Does he have any nicknames aside from Beach Poop, obviously? Uh, that's a, a Professor Blastoff thing. That's not my nickname. <laughs> no, one, no one goes, hey, beach poop. God Did you poop on it. a beach? Yeah. you can, If you listen to uh, the Sklar's episode of the podcast, I I was training for a marathon and it was- You had to? Thing. I had to. I, it was, the bathrooms were locked, the public bathrooms. and Did you dig a, a hole? 
it kicks Anne after it like a cat. Okay, that's um, thoughtful. Yeah, yeah. I guess fine. I'd probably dug a little Weird bit Weird stuff hole. washes up on beaches all the time. Yeah, yeah. No one saw it, which is great. Like the story, I think people got a kick out of it because like I tried to be kind of cool while I was doing it. <laughs> I tried to pretend like I was taking in the sunset. Like I was just crouching down. Like, ooh, I gotta, I gotta crouch to really <laughs> absorb all this majesty. And then just gross. But How'd you wipe? Oddly enough, like got home, think like went right home, and just like I, I'm sure I have something to take care of. <laughs> Nothing, just like a ghost. Wow. Yeah, I was a real fortunate occurrence there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So anyway, no one calls me Beach Poop. I don't Do know that I have though? any real nicknames that anyone calls me. If I did, like within my family and stuff, I, I don't feel like I don't see how that would be like exciting for anyone. Sure. Uh, like my dad still calls me Cowboy Dave. Come on, you don't think that's exciting? You do? A little bit. Uh, kind of. I guess. Uh, Cowboy yeah. Dave, that's fun. <laughs> it's fun. There's a little picture of me when I was a kid. Like, I had a little tractor with a trailer, oh. cowboy hat, pedaling it around and stuff. So, what do, I you, mean, what do your parents do? My dad uh, builds fences. He's a mm-hmm. fence contractor. And then my mom uh, works uh, doing therapy with like uh, the military. So she's a psychotherapist. That has got to be super intense. Work, it never right? really was. She never did a lot of, uh, I'm meaning specifically to me, she never did a lot of like, how's that make you feel? But right. her work now yeah, currently. Yeah, I, mean I mean for her. Yeah, I, I worry about it because like she'll tell me cases and they're all fairly simplistic enough. They're not a lot of like, this guy came back with a body count of 30 and he's mm-hmm. really, she hasn't had any of that. I think that's more intensive than what she's dealing with. Okay. A lot of hers is like spousal type things and Uh-oh. family therapy. So. Right. It's a little bit more reserved, but anytime I hear, you know, something terrible happening on like a base or whatever, I'm just like, oh God. Yeah. It's just a, it's a tense uh, workplace. She really likes it and likes who she works with and stuff. So. So Cowboy Dave, what else does your family call you? (laughs) Um, oh, I I don't want to share them all. Uh, I'm such a boring guest. I apologize. My, my mom would call me Monk. Uh. Why? Probably because, you know, like a lot of, I'd like to think she's more original, you know, parents always like go, Bubba, Mm -hmm. hey buddy, hey Bubba, hey monkey, hey monkey. Oh. So my mom was probably just like, well, I'm not going to be one of these regular ass moms (laughs) (laughs) saying monkey. So I think it just from that maybe. I don't know. I I don't know. My, uh, let me think. One of my sisters, my sister's probably had a billion nicknames for me over the years. Um. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember any that really stuck. She's always has some different one though. That's okay. Um, Cowboy Dave was worth all of it. <laughs> what do you have? Have you already shared yours? Your listeners know your nicknames, right? I don't have. I really don't have nicknames. Nor did. My dad would call these are not. They're not as fun as yours though. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! I just remembered one that is awful. It just. It still makes me cringe. Um, okay, so my my dad would call me Ali Kona, which is Allison in Hawaiian. Yeah. I don't know why. But I used to play drums. Mm-hmm. And he decided to start calling me Sticks. <laughs> <laughs> and That's I way better it. than Cowboy Day. I hated it. <laughs> hey, what's up, Sticks? <laughs> That's so good. He even got me. I don't know how he where he found the company that will make personalized drumsticks. But he <laughs> got me sets of drumsticks that say Allison sticks frozen. <laughs> yeah. So that one didn't stick. Cause every time he'd say it, I would go, dad, 
<laughs> you didn't I, like sticks? I didn't like sticks. Oh, my God. You're up there twirling a drumstick that says sticks on it. You live in the coolest. <laughs> All right. Damn it. Rafa. Nope. We just. Oh, he has another one. But first, Liam says, what's your favorite color and why? Do you see uh, Ex Machina? I haven't. I heard um, it's really good, though. So there's a, a point where like the, he you know, he's doing the Turing test to this artificial intelligence and then she turns it on him and is like what's your favorite color and he says one and she's just like you're lying your micro reactions in your face mm. are saying and he's like i'm not lying she's yes you are and then he goes oh I, I guess i don't really have a favorite color i'm not six <laughs> and then so i think we get conditioned first dates and things like that to go oh blue i really love blue uh, and i think i probably do love somewhere on the spectrum between blue and green there's some color that i'll that's see that's my like, zone too oh really yeah. okay yeah well, i think purple the, the cold colors yeah, I do like purple as well. Um, so there's some something about that when I see it. I don't know that I can always place it. I'm moderately colorblind, so I, I don't do great with colors. But when I see that, I'm usually like, that's pleasing. I like it. How does moderately colorblind work? I'll just, if I had to pick, you know, like a red and a brown, I would sometimes go, like, these colors look very similar to me. And this is probably like a red. You're pointing and to red green. and green. Green. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so And those, those are, look really similar to you? Yeah fascinating Uh oh this just hijacked the podcast okay <laughs> what color is this thing that i'm holding up it's like pinkish that is correct mm -hmm. what color is the inside of this mug i want to say teal that is also correct okay i'm doing pretty good okay what color is this that's yellow that I'm that's holding. yellow yeah I, i'm usually i'm yellow's fine it's more like deep browns reds greens what color blue is and purple pen, the outside of this pen it could be brown or green I want to say green. It is burgundyish brownish. Oh, okay. What color is my shirt? Uh, light blue. That is correct. Um, oh, what color is that that vase thing over there? That tin. That that looks uh, red, like maroon. Correct. I'm doing great. You really are. What, Jeff? Is there anything else that's in in these that we can ask him about? Oh, what color is that plant? I feel like that's an easy one. <laughs> Oh, what is that, gold? <laughs> um, and lastly, see those super cheap-looking fake flowers that I got at Ikea? Yeah. What colors are in that okay. um, vase? I'm orange on the left. No. It's not orange? It's yellow. What? That's close. Okay. You're close. Okay. And then on the right, that's tough because I feel like uh, I, there are some colors that I don't know the naming of all that well okay um i want to say maybe like magenta yep that's right so it's uh, really just these chords that you failed on <laughs> um wow that's interesting so what does that mean you can't do you can't be in the army i don't know i mean i feel like it's a sometimes a seemingly like a disability and but yet if i focus on it like if i learn a color's like in Photoshop, they'll have like the, you know, the letters and numbers. Right. And I go, okay, I know what that one is. And then I look away. Sometimes I could be shown that exact same color and be like, hmm. So I, I, there's some disconnect happening right. where I, I feel like I can overcome it. Sort of beautiful mind style. Mm -hmm. uh, God rest John Nash. I really just need to see a beautiful mind because um, I feel like in the last week, so many people have made references to it and I've just nodded because I... I just don't want to have the conversation that, that we're having now where I explain that I've never seen it, but I've never seen it. Ron Howard is a good filmmaker and it's a good story. Uh, what color is Ron Howard's hair? Oh, he's a ginger, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he did, tr fake, trick question, he doesn't have hair. 
Oh, fuck. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> what color is the cap of that water bottle? Um, that I want to, I think is orange. Yeah. Doing it today, guys. You really are. Mm -hmm. Does it run in your family? No, I don't think so. Have you talked I mean, extensively about this on other podcasts? No. Oh, not good. Really. I'm so rethinking it. And I'm worried well. <laughs> that every podcast is people just pointing at things that the audience can't see and asking you what color <laughs> they are. What color is the label on that bottle you're holding? You might know this just from memory. This feels red. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I only mess up really when I, I try to make jokes. Like, this blue guy over here. And people are like, yeah, he's got a stupid purple tie. So I never really make jokes like that because mm -hmm. it's a friend of mine had a gun and it was in this little case. And I was like, where'd you get that pink case? But it was like a green or something <laughs> like that where I just seem like such an idiot. So I've calmed down on the, on any sort color of color jokes. jokes. But I did really well today. I feel pretty good. You these, did. These all feel pretty vibrant. Like they're, oh, thank you guys. All right. Rafael Castaneda. I did it again. That time I overdid it. Again, wants to know best and worst parts of crowdfunding a project, and would you recommend it to others? Oh, um, yeah, I don't know why anyone would not recommend it. I mean, if you've exhausted all of your resources, I mean, I went to places and asked for money or help or guidance and how to get some money, and everyone said no. So then I, I it was like a last resort. Um, the worst part is bugging people or just tweeting nonstop. It's like a part-time job to feel, you want to feel like you tried your best and yet everyone I'm sure just gets exhausted and like, shut up. We know you're trying to get money, but it's like being a panhandler. You just go, if everyone gave $1, I'd be good. I'd mm -hmm. be fine. And to see them consistently not do it, you're just and seeing the deadline click toward it. And then you go through this weird, everyone does. You go through this, no one likes me. It's not going to happen. Why'd I even do this? This is so stupid. That's the worst part. And then in the end, when it ramps up is, is great. And did you have, did you find uh, doing the rewards to be challenging? Still haven't fulfilling. mailed them yet, but I've made all of them. So oh. I've 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 accomplished all of that. Everything that I said I would do, I like hand printed sc or screen printed T shirts, and I I had people like choose a drawing that I would do, and then I'd screen print that on a shirt, and I made posters, and I did all that stuff. That so but at I was any point where you like this is a fuckload of work. Oh, throughout the entire thing. I yeah. mean, when I was like touring st stand up, mostly just doing comedy clubs. I was so lazy because you just show up. Who are you working with? I don't know. You show up at the club, do my set, leave. And then then switching to like, well, I didn't really love that crowd. I liked like 20% of them. So then when I started doing like little more, more little independent venues, I was booking it. I was like trying to get people out. It's really fun, but it's so much more work, like making posters and bugging people. And then the crowd is great, but it's exhausting. You're just like, oh, I'd much rather just show up not do yeah. a lot so that's what crowdfunding is like where like i had to call the camera house and rent gear and uh hire everybody to be a part of it and then like, communicate with all the animators and arrange the worst part was buying flights for everyone mm. that was horrible because you're just watching like the stock market like well i should act now maybe if i wait and then it spikes up like, no no that's my that's like my budget I find in general that sort of when to buy a flight, I find that really, even, even I'm talking about just for myself, oh. I find that stressful, that thing of like, I'm going to 
roll the dice and hope that it's a little bit different tomorrow. It's not, you know, yeah. Up. yeah. I got, I mean, doing that for 20 people and knowing you have a limited amount of money to do it really helped. Cause now I just, I'll set a price and then if it gets near there or definitely below it, then I'll just get it. Right. Uh, and this is the last one. And then we're going to move on to just me or everyone. Toby Milton says, what's the toughest part about touring? Uh, traveling for me. Do you tour much? Do you travel much? No. Well, um, with the Adam Carolla show, I used to do, to do a lot of live shows. I don't know what's happening. Extra letters are coming out in my words. <laughs> <laughs> it's the low blood sugar. Um, and I'm doing Bumbershoot over Labor Day. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. But in general, as Allison Rosen or Allison Rosen's new best friend, no, not a ton. Oh, okay. So for me, I don't do the road nearly as much as I used to. And even then I tried to drive as much as I could. I just, the the flying procedure has just gotten so unbearable. It's yeah. just hideous. So I, I really don't like that. And especially doing it a bunch that gets so draining. Right. Uh, so that's my least favorite. Like whatever else there would be, bad beds or gross rooms, or I can live with that. But the traveling and just, I hate it. I find it very stressful. I just went to New York um and came back, mm-hmm. but I kept saying, I just, <laughs> I wanna... just went to New York and I never came back. <laughs> right. I kept saying, I just want to be on the plane. Cause I, cause at that point yeah. for me, the most stressful part is packing, getting to the airport, getting on the plane. And then yeah. once I'm on the plane, I'm like, I'm calm. Yeah. And then I had the same thing in reverse. Oh, totally. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I, I had to go to Upfronts. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, I mean, that's where uh, advertisers buy yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Have you ever thought there was a way to be like remotely punk rock in television? It's just where that is snuffed out. I mean, they <laughs> literally just come out and go, we have data, we have marketing, we have research. Look at our talent here. We offer you the greatest. And, and if you buy, I mean, they're just selling yeah. what they make on TV and you're just sitting like, I'm part of this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of cool to see the inner working of it, but you really know that that's all television is, is just selling ad space. Right. But to fly out there, I like flew first class. I oh, stayed nice. in a nice hotel. It was amazing. What hotel? Uh, oh, the Trump. Stay in the Trump Plaza Hotel. But the guy makes good hotels. Yeah. I and mean, it's insanely nice there. Um, so that was great. And then flying first class, I can see why people get addicted to. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in one of the beds that like, or the chairs that fold into oh, the bed. Oh, the one I've never done. I've never been in one of those. Yeah, it's intense. I have, I have 180 lost. <laughs> right because they go 180 yeah they yeah. go all the way down oh and it's worth it it's good they give you like free bags of stuff and i mean it's really it's great all the cookies you can eat i'm so plane abused that one time i had a whole road to myself in economy and i was like if the plane goes down now i'm fine <laughs> and that was just economy yeah yeah so. getting a row to yourself is amazing. even just the one seat in between mm-hmm. you and the aisle or, the, or vice versa oh, amazing all right, let's do Just Me or Everyone, and we have a song. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right, this is where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or everyone? And then we say uh, whether we also do these things. Okay. Bruised by Dawn says, just me or everyone. I'm convinced people leave messes because they know it's in my nature to clean things up. <laughs> um, it's not in my nature to clean things up. So I, I don't have um, – but maybe if I – Is she asking, do we think that we also think that? It's a he, first of all. Oh, it's apologies. Don. Don. Um, Don with D-O-N. an O. D-O-N. 
And he is wondering if other people are also convinced that people leave messes because they know it's in their nature to clean them up. Oh, hmm. I don't I don't know how to answer that. I don't. Are I you don't, a clean person? Uh, I, I just don't think anyone would leave a mess assuming I would clean it up. Would you though? Mm, I don't think so. But yeah, I guess. I mean, I'll do it if I think there's no way they could have possibly left it there on purpose. Right. But if I if I hinted that they did that, then I wouldn't clean it up. I think that messy people are just messy. So it's not done with any malice of forethought. Mm-hmm. Right. But they'll leave the mess. But I will definitely say that when you do clean it up, they don't notice. It's oh, just, yeah. It's just like a magic fairy came mm-hmm. and took it away. Yeah. So there's no there's no upside for Don on this one to clean now, up. Now, he, he, then he wrote hashtag Scheisse, S-C-H-E-I-S-S-E, which I think is German for shit. Is that right? Do you know? I don't know how to spell it, but unscheiße. Yeah, that's the word. It's interesting that he went German on this. I wonder why. Or does Mm -hmm. it mean mess or something? Could you look it up? I could. S-C-H-E-I-S-S-E. And while I'm looking things up, uh, I would just like to point out that guano. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Is actually the excrement of seabirds, cave dwelling bats, pinnipeds. Nice. You were right. Or birds in general. (gasps) Oh. (laughs) <laughs> Way to go. I did have guano in my hair. <laughs> or a sea lion shit in Ace my hair. Ace Ventura 2 really let me down there. That's, I'm sorry. Nah. Who can you trust? Nobody. According to the internet, uh, it's S-C-H-E-I and then that weird German letter that looks like a capital B. E. Oh, yeah. So that's that's like the and that's shit? Right? Correct. Okay. Uh, Marvin the Earthling says, just me or everyone, sometimes it's too hard to resist air drumming to certain songs while driving. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you thought that was only you? He just wanted to know if other people share the feeling. That's the, I, th- I feel like this was just an easy way for him to get an agreement out of sticks. <laughs> <laughs> what a perfect show for that one. Um, Kristen W. says, I go through waves of, oh, my God, I love people. Let's all be best friends to, uh, people suck, go away. Yes, I do, too. In fact, sometimes I can go through that wave on a single human being because I'll <laughs> This is an unattractive thing to admit. Um, I'll be like walking around and I'll see someone and I'll dislike them simply based on their face. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I always stop myself and I think, I don't even know that person. What was it about mm-hmm. their face that made me just dislike them? And then I'll feel bad for them because they're deprived of my love. <laughs> me, it's me, you know, and yeah. that sucks for them, even though we're never going to ever speak because we're strangers. And then I'll think, what a shitty life they probably have with everyone disliking them based on their face. <laughs> and then I'll be like, I'm going to make it up to them by really loving them. This happens like, like that. And then that I'll, an all of a sudden. amazing sort of journey you go through with them. It's and they're really totally unaware of it. Completely unaware. They're just like, how does that person? make me feel? Just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like, I'll, I'll go dislike someone, super like someone just like that and then i keep on with my i mean i slowed it down yeah but it's just a quick reversal of feeling like what a it shallow is. person what it is about their face their face their eyes is it the whole it's all of it well then i then sometimes though it'll happen i remember this would happen in high school where i would dislike someone pretty in, i would get kind of an intense feeling a negative feeling about them and then i would get to know them uh and then i would 
think how funny I disliked this person at one point, but now I'm fine with them. And then they would actually turn out to be kind of an, an asshole. And then I think <laughs> I was right the first time. So I do think that was me actually having some intuition, but not trusting it. Yeah. This thing though, where I just flash upon someone in a crowd and dislike them based on their face. I don't think I'm actually picking up something. I think that's just, they probably remind me of someone that I didn't like, or, or maybe I am really shallow. I don't know what that is. I'm fascinated by this. I do, think it's such a great, I, I, tr- I feel like I disassociate from them. I look at them, I picture their life, and then I picture all the shitty parts or why they walk the way they do, especially when I see someone who's just ultimately hateable sunglasses on the back of the head sure. kind of whatever that person is right walking very just the whole thing like a tank top with some weird dumb tattoo uh-huh. and then i just flash back to them being insecure or picked on or something like that and then i go ah, all right buddy go on go on about your day you still suck but there's probably a reason for it that's similar to what i do though because yeah. it's ta- you're having a negative reaction to someone and then you're tempering it with thinking about how pathetic it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we're awful people. <laughs> I like, though, that yours entails going, oh, it's a shame they're not my friend. They <laughs> <laughs> don't get to experience that, poor devil. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay. Damien Cordova says, I often wonder why dogs like to smell other dogs. I don't... Well, the fact that the way they greet each other is by sniffing each other's butt mm-hmm. and that they just know to do that. Yeah. What are they smelling for? You know when they sniff for a while and then they both go really rigid? What'd <laughs> yeah. you fucking say? What'd you say? What? Are we going to do this? And then they settle back down. Yeah. All right, let's just get back to sniffing. Right. Well, what is that? that? Yeah. What's going on there? Yeah. Like if they if they pucker or something like that, like, <laughs> hey, hey, I am sm- I am smelling. You know, you pucker. You don't know me like that. Is that what's happening? I, I wish we could ask them. <laughs> Um, it's never really occurred to me on a level like why do they right I've never really thought about it but now that I am thinking about it it's weird yeah I mean is there something they're sniffing for or are they just doing it to see if the other one will allow it or something it's just odd when you're like walking your dog on a leash and then they pass right by another dog's head and and muscle you on the leash to get to that butt. <laughs> and then you just have to kind of look at them like, eh, they always do this. Because sometimes you're right, the other dog just stands there like, I don't know what's going on. I don't do right. that. I'm just, I'm looking dead ahead. Yeah. Do what you want back there. Oh, I wish I had a dog that was like that. A dog that was like you are in public, which is disassociated. Because <laughs> instead I have a dog that's like looking at everything and interested in everything and yeah. very like pulling on the leash um okay mrs b harper says hate it when women in new york city set movies or tv shows are out and about with no bag or evidence of having keys or a wallet you know i have never noticed that but now that you bring it up that is bullshit mm-hmm. and unrealistic maybe she keeps just- a locker at a bus station possibly Probably maybe she does. belongs to new york sports club they have yeah. locations everywhere yeah why aren't there little caches all around towns? There should be. Yeah. Just lock up your stuff. I yeah. mean, the muggers would be hanging out nonstop there, but it's still a good idea. Right. I, maybe that's one of the reasons I like winter. One of the many reasons I prefer winter. But then you can just wear a big coat and put all your stuff in pockets. And yeah. then you're really fancy free and <laughs> footloose. That's why, partly why I've become a, sports, a sport jacket guy. Jeff has become sport jacket I've guy. I've become a sport, sport jacket guy. <laughs> what kind do you go with? Um, whatever I can get my hands on, whatever oh, okay. fits. But it's it's kind of a power move. It yeah. makes me feel fancy, 
And then I just have pockets to put my crap in. Because you got inside pockets too, right? I love a lapel pocket. You feel like <laughs> yeah. Sean Connery. Every you could be pulling like a restraining order against yourself out of the p- lapel pocket. <laughs> oh, I like pocket, the inside feel, one more. Yeah, that's what I mean. The, oh, you, it, I thought you meant up here. Yeah, what is it? What's, it, what's the inside one called? The Sean Connery pocket. Yeah. Oh inside, yeah, that's definitely yeah the inside one. Papers, please. Yeah, it's like oh, it feels very classic. Yeah, it, that's definitely true. But I don't understand. Why it's assumed that women always have more stuff to carry around. Like, they could be out walking the street. Like, she doesn't even have a bag. Like, neither does that dude. I mean, wallet, keys, phone. What? what well, women what? do. We, we just do. We have more stuff to carry around. I think the idea is that in New York, you can't toss it in your car or leave it in your car. So, you head mm. out for the day. You need your, like, 15 tampons, comfortable pair of shoes, makeup, makeup. sometimes. Yeah, to take your day for your look from day to night, you know. <laughs> Portable curling iron. Not really, but you might need that. You just do need more, I think. Not all women, but... Do do you really need 15 tampons? Is that a thing? (laughs) It's going to be a rough day. It depends what kind of flow you're having, you know. I'm just saying when... You never know, and that's why you need 15. Right. 15. You might not need 15. But you never want to have too few, is the point. You don't want to. I understand now. Kara Poo Poo Bruda says... Wish a cop would jump in my passenger seat and yell, follow that car. I'd be a quirky ass sidekick. I love that. <laughs> I, I'm sure it's not just you. I've never had that thought, but I, you can't be the only one. But you've had the thought of like, I need to commandeer this vehicle. How do you react? I haven't even had that thought. You've never had that thought? I'm busy hating people and then loving them. <laughs> <laughs> They're frantically pounding on the window and you're like where is this person from why do they like i don't care for them that's a shame they're never gonna know me you've had that thought no i was just thinking that's what you do oh no 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 i mean you've had the the commandeer thing yeah i would i would revert to kind of is this a real cop i think i'd be a bit of a punk but then i would acquiesce i think i wouldn't just jump out i definitely wouldn't be one of those dudes that gets dragged out you know the cop always gets upset hey this car no oh hey and they get i'm not getting dragged out i'll be like a a little kid hanging onto the steering wheel now now (laughs) and the cop will have to like yank on my legs until i come or just be polite tickle you or tickle me yeah that really would work (laughs) i'm not getting oh and then just curled up on the ground yeah, I I think the I would like it. I'm right with her, Kara. I, you I'd know, I cool, thought this was a guy, but I think it's a girl. I'd be a fun, cool sidekick too, because mm-hmm. I I'd like to feel like I had you know instincts that would Matt and the cop would go, oh, that is a good idea, right? Like turn right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I see where they're headed. Just let me try this real quick, and I would inevitably get us like right in dead end thing. But it'd be fun getting there. It would. Do cops actually commandeer no. civilian cars? Cops don't care. I, I, nationwide, I think they arrest roughly 30% of all murders, or solve 30% of all murders, even make an arrest in the case. Right. They don't give a shit. If, you, if your house gets robbed, you go, hey, hey, do you think you'll find them? They go, no, we're not even going to look. We have other things to worry about. Your it's stuff so is gone. Different than law and order. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. They, they do not, like in the Big Lebowski, it's like, oh, yeah, we good. Teams working in shifts down there. They don't care. The other day I was walking home and uh, I heard someone say, ma'am, ma'am, which first of all puts me on alert. I'm miss, thank you. I'm not, <laughs> actually, that only only like t- two minutes after the exchange or so that I think, interesting, I'm a ma'am now. But anyway, it was a cop saying it and uh, I said yes. And he said, did you hear a woman yelling help around here? <laughs> And I said, 
I'm sorry I didn't because I didn't. Mm-hmm. But that was a weird exchange, I thought. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's I guess it's good that he asked me because maybe I would be like, yeah, I'm casually strolling, but I heard someone's <laughs> blood curdling screams for help from that bush over there. Yeah. I don't know. And then I wondered how how did this happen? Did someone say to him, I heard someone yelling over there? Mm-hmm. Did someone call in a yell for help? I wonder did- if we were involved in the same story because I, my girlfriend and I were walking. We heard the craziest scream. It wasn't a help, but it was just like a blood curdling scream and then kind of covered up. Oh, geez. It was gnarly. And Where then we and when like, was this? We were walking past uh, kind of, I think it was downtown LA. Oh, and this, then, unless it was really loud. It was not the same screams. <laughs> oh, okay. But we ran over there thinking, what are we going to see here? Yeah. Or, and there's nothing. There's no sign of anyone. So it was really strange. Like You just heard it like out on the street, you think? Yeah. I couldn't really pinpoint where it came from, but it definitely didn't sound like a joke. It was right. very like, it, it's one of those like a scream where you kind of stand up straight like, oh, oh no. Mm-hmm. And then we ran over there to see. I mean, who knows? It could have been someone joking around or I don't know. It was right. weird though. But that'd be funny if. If that cop was looking for her because he was really, <laughs> he needed someone to. To comment to to jump in and be a sidekick and say turn right yeah. and go like a number of miles you're in the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> do you guys live in downtown? No, no, we live um, in East Hollywood. Mm. So do you like, like it? Um, there's this car that's been letting its car alarm go off like oh. all day, so I'm every day disliking it more and more. And I just I fantasize about smashing the window out with a bat, opening the hood, and disconnecting the battery. I don't want to harm the vehicle, but I do. And then I think, like, I should just go let the air out of the tires. One tire per day. I'm not going to do any of these things, but it, it, I have to have an escape to think of doing that because it's so rude. I think you could actually – maybe you don't want to be this person. But... Oh, I've called. Oh, okay. No one comes out. And it it's – the car alarm is like it'll go off 10 times in a row and then it'll stop for a while. So it's really hard to like pinpoint it to say, come out here, cop, and listen right. to this. Because inevitably the cop will show up like, I don't hear anything. Wait two minutes. No, I don't have time for that. So it's really strange that it's- That sucks. Yeah, it's almost worse that it's arrhythmic. You just say, okay, it went away. And then it starts going, no! And then it'll go 10 times in a row. And then it'll take a break. And it's horrible. And it's you some no sort idea of weird torture. Is, I take it. No. And if I were more- uh, I don't know, like uh, ambitious, I would camp out. I would wait <laughs> until I saw someone and then I'd run over like, what's going on here? Right. What is, we all have to sleep. Wh- who are you? But then I were, you know, the, the, someone that's that brazen probably doesn't give a shit about anybody. It's that guy with the sunglasses on the back of his head. <laughs> Wendy says, just me or everyone. Sometimes I scroll through my own Twitter profile, laugh at my own jokes, jokes and think about how witty I am. I have done that. Really? I don't make a lot of jokes anymore. I, I, I need to ramp it up. I, my Twitter has become a lot of telling people, oh, this show just, you know, uh, yeah. David Huntsberger's on my show this week or whatever. Yeah. Um, but back when I used to do more jokes and stuff, mm-hmm. I would look at it more often and uh, be proud. I, uh, I draw comics and that's how I got into Twitter. So a lot of web comic artists I liked would just tweet a link. And I'm like, oh, that's great. All these people have twitter i didn't really know what it was and so that's what i would do just post a link but i would go back and look through my comics and be like yeah there's something to me like writing a tweet is just so like temporary or right but like drawing i remember like where i was or the thinking behind it like yeah, i like that one so it's similar but i yeah i'm the same as you like especially doing stand-up like you have a lot of things to like want to get out there yeah. and 
I look at society where like they're not going to stumble on things on their own. The city pages doesn't do anything anymore. So you can't be tr- you know, like, can't trust it. Like, oh, well, the venue brings out enough people. Right. It's like you always have to be reaching them. And if they're always going to be in this central digital place, that's where I'll be like, hey, I'll be doing this. Yeah. It feels so gross. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what else to do. Right. Like, if you didn't do that, then you just don't exist anymore. It does seem that. I always wonder that. Like, would it make a difference? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to guess it would. I think like Janine Garofalo is a good example. She was on our podcast kind of lamenting that like, oh, I my career kind of took a dive at this point. I was like, well, you left the internet. I mean, you're hard to find now. Yeah. People love you and you're still great, but you're not in any way present or, you know, it's, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. really difficult. Kelly PH Duh says, just mirror everyone, feel guilty about taking too much food at a buffet or salad bar. It's been a long time since I've been at a buffet, but um, but at a salad bar, you're paying by the pound, so I wouldn't feel guilty. Um, except maybe she's talking about like a, a restaurant where you choose the salad bar as your option. Mm-hmm. God, I feel like it's been forever since I've been to a restaurant that has a salad bar. Do they make them anymore? Man, I've Soup Plantation has them. I guess that place is horrible. Yeah. My friends and I in college one year went f- and had our own like kind of Super Bowl party as the brokest people. <laughs> you, there was like a $7 thing all you could eat that had pizza and a salad bar. I didn't feel guilty then. And we were there for like six hours. <laughs> I ate so much food. Didn't feel guilty at all. Yeah. I was like, hey, this It is- might just be you, Kelly. James Leroy Wilson says, I don't read podcast episode preview summaries before listening. I hope podcasters don't put a lot of effort into them. Well, we do. I will have you know. I mean, not a ton of effort, but enough that every time I write it, I'm like, this is a real pain in the ass. (laughs) And then I think, is anyone reading this? Yeah. What about you guys? Well, Earwolf does ours. Oh. But on our website, I do those a lot of the time. And I'll just ask questions because, like, a lot of ours are, we try to have it about a certain theme or something. Mm -hmm. We'll have someone. Right. Like loneliness, even though she was not a loner. Yeah. (laughs) Well, her parents had died. Oh, I mean, I so she was a lo- far in the episode, and I feel like a real asshole. <laughs> yeah, I kept sort of. I knew people were gonna because I was hearing her go, "Well, my husband," and I was like, "How are you lonely?" Mm-hmm. For the-? She was there with a friend at the right. taping. I see. Pointed this out in the episode. Yeah, <laughs> but as she got further into it, it, was like, "I don't have anyone. I don't have any family." I was like, "That makes sense. You would definitely feel fairly alone." So, like for the episode feel description of that, horrible right now. <laughs> I hope other people didn't bail out early either because she and she's very interesting. And like, uh, I felt bad at the time, like kind of asking her that, mm-hmm. but I wanted to get a, a like right a sense for of why she considers yeah. herself a loner. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I would just like in the description, I don't know no one, who reads them. I guess like people look at the guest and, and if there is a topic, but who's you need to be sold like a Netflix movie. Oh, okay. All right. I guess no one is the answer. I guess no one reads them. <laughs> I, I've for a long time put a diminishing amount of effort into the descriptions. And I just, I, I thought the same thing. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And then I had a bunch of people tell me, oh, I have so many podcasts to listen to. I read the description. If the description oh. doesn't blow me away, I don't download it. Oh. And then I started doing it again. Enter the dazzling prose. Yeah. And I don't know that, well, maybe my descriptions stink, but. <laughs> it got into my head that I oh you I got to put some effort into this. Yeah, but yeah, I, I was under the same impression. I um put a link to the image of the Just Me or Everyone's that we do on the show in the episode summary, but 
I went to New York and I forgot to take them with me. So I didn't post them for two episodes in a row. And that mm. was a trial of like, if no one notices, maybe I will stop doing this because this is just just one less thing to do. Mm. Um, but then I got tweets from people asking where they were. So I was like, well, I guess people did notice. Yeah. Fuck. Not really. Not really the fuck. Do you have part. a, because like, on our show, we have a lot of different, we have an aggregate system. So people will get, where's this thing? And then it'll go away and some new thing will kind of replace mm-hmm. it or something from long ago. And that, that seems to be like a refillable, rechargeable thing is good. So then they're never clamoring for just that one thing. Right. Right. But this um, seems like a pretty good I do this on set. every show. Yeah. It's yeah. A good idea. There's other things that come and go, but mm-hmm. this one is is always None there. of these to me were too like, oh wow, I've never heard of anyone doing that. That's really I thought it was gonna be like, I take laundry sheets and stuff them in the back of my cheek or something <laughs> weird like that. It depends. It it varies week by week. I think my some days I feel like just me or everyone is really all the things that everyone does that they feel like a freak about, but really we all do them. But then yeah. there will be weeks where it's like, oh no, I never, or mine actually, when the segment first started, I had a few that I started it with and I was the only one. I was like, oh, I guess I am weird. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Um, David Huntsberger, it's been delightful having you on the show. It has. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope I wasn't too um, you weren't. drab. No, not okay. at all. Okay, good. I would, I would, drab is a word I would never use to describe you. Oh, thank you. Why well, I enjoyed myself. I think this is a great podcast. Thank you so much. So tell people where they should go to watch the show. Yeah, so Reactor is going to be on Sci Fi after Geeks Who Drink, which is Zachary Levi's show. And it's like an hour block of comedy. So it, that show starts at 11. Ours is at 11.30. It's Thursdays, 11.30 on Sci Fi. Starting July 16th. Starting July 16th. And 12 weeks in a row after that, at least. And, and, um, and yeah, if you like, if you're into sci-fi, fantasy, comic books, video games, that David sort of Huntsberger, world. If you're into, if you're into yeah, my stand up and my little world, go to davidhuntsberger.com. You can get familiar with me and my doings. And then Professor Blastov is happening. I do a variety show here in LA called The Junk Show. Mm-hmm. If you're free, come to that sometime. Where in guys. LA do you do it? It's at the Copper Still Bar, which is on Beverly. And um, it's a we like have animation, screen a lot of stuff, short films, music, comedy, magic. Have magic sometimes. Wow. Yeah, but Reactor is um, the biggest new thing. So I'm really the most excited about that. I hope people will watch. It's a cool set. It's not a green screen show. We have like a physical cool screen and it's a live audience it's gonna, i'm excited and if you live in la and want to come to taping at 8 get in touch 8 right? a.m on wednesday yeah 8 a.m on wednesday uh, and then it'll obviously air 11 30 p.m thursdays the 8 a.m of it all is it always going to be 8 a.m i hope not i would assume if we get some traction or get a little you know juice or something like that they'll, they'll give us a, a choice a little bit easier to manage thing. I think it's just because we're new that gives them the max amount of time to edit it. That makes sense. And they have a limited studio space there. So like they have to turn it around and get a different show in there later in the day. Right. So I'm, I think if we do well, we'll, we'll get some uh, lever or leeway there. Hopefully. Yeah. Some people like that early morning time too. So yeah, maybe some people are like, I've never been able to see my favorite show at 8am. So well, if you want to be a little late to work, you know, like, <laughs> or if you don't work until later in the day, I guess it's a good one to do because I don't know. I'm trying to find any positive way to Look spend at it. 8 a.m. Yeah, come. We'll maybe get done. You have your whole day. Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get it out of the way. Get it over with. You got your whole day after that. 
Um, and everyone can follow you on Twitter at Huntsburger junk. junk. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, you guys. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps out the show. Thank you for your Amazon support. Thank you for your PayPal support. There's PayPal links on the right side of my website, alisonrosen.com. We have two ringtones available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. You need that. <laughs> and you can get that and the other one. I think we're going to hear a little. Touch the tushy, touch, touch the tushy, This is probably weird for you, David, because you're like, touch, I don't know what that is. Who made but... this one? The, um, the tushy, touch, touch, well, Touch the Tushy is, it's a long story. It's a song my husband uh, came up with. <laughs> and then a listener named Matt made this song out of it which it's is pretty just, good it's a hot summer jam so <laughs> you can get both of those on <laughs> what happened was i was standing in front of the refrigerator and my husband came by and apparently he was trying to get by so he was like patting my butt like move it along mm-hmm. and I thought he was just like being silly and patting my butt so I was just dancing and he was just like <laughs> patting my butt but he's trying, trying to get me to move and excuse me would have made more sense but yeah. I was but <laughs> then I don't know where touch the t- where the, the song part came came from I don't know if he's like what the hell I'll come up with a song and I'll start singing the song even though I'm trying to get by you and your <laughs> gigantic ass is in the way. I don't know what it was, but I thought it was just like a funny song that involved, you know, him like, and it wasn't sexual. It was just like, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, just tapping me. I thought it was just a funny thing and, you know, a catchy tune, but it turned out the whole time he was just trying to get by. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. We did a practice show of a practice run of reactor. We've done a couple of them just to get sets and everything. Right. But the monitor was having some weird feedback. I don't know if it was someone in the booth doing it, but it was one of those things where like, if you'd point, then all of a sudden it would max headroom style, like (laughs) do 20 points. I like to think that's what happened with you and your husband. (laughs) (laughs) You just got caught in a weird loop. Yes. (laughs) I think you're right. Um, Anyway, those are both available on gumroad.com slash Allison Rosen. That is G U M R O A D like a road made of gum. I still don't know why it's called that. Dot com slash Allison Rosen. And there's a link to that in the, uh, description of this episode which you may or may not be reading i don't know and also two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the la podcast festival first one with doug benson and greg proops next one with doug benson musician matt costa and the former thursday gang and those are uh available again i know i said i said are weird that was weird those are available in the comedy album section of itunes and you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Email us, A-R-I-Y-M-B-F show at gmail.com. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me at Colonel Jeff Fox on all your social medias. And there's a new episode of my show, Barracuda Radio, which is my interview with John Worcester, drummer from Super Chunk and half of the comedy team Sharpling and Worcester. He and I are Twitter friends now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. He's he's an excellent uh, tweeterer. He's a funny <laughs> yeah, he's twit super funny. guy. Twitter guy. All right. Any last words? You don't have to have any. Okay. <laughs> but you can if you do. Oh, I, I thought the okay was pretty good. All right. Uh, watch Reactor, please. There you go. Watch Reactor. You guys, thank you so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now. 
Sin 